Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 341. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. I'm excited to share a little bit of a different episode today, still a very inspirational journey for a student, but this time an international student. Now, Noi reached out to me. She said, hey, I love your podcast. I listen to your podcast. I'm an international student. You don't talk a lot about international students getting into applying to uh, medical school, and I'd love to share my journey. And so we communicated for a little bit. I said, I'd love to have you on. And today she's going to share her journey with you. And we talk about her journey a bunch. And I mentioned it a bunch of times that like as an international student, you have to have great stats. You have to have perfect stats, perfect MCAT score, perfect GPA. Now, Noi does have a really good GPA. We don't really talk about it in the episode, but I did ask her uh, and she allowed me to share her stats with you. She, she has a 3.9, I think six GPA was what she said. So amazing GPA, right? Not going to put that one by you to say, oh, it's okay. Right, amazing GPA. And her MCAT score was really good as well, 515. A lot of students think, oh, as an as a international student, you need a 520 MCAT score to get in. So really good MCAT score, great GPA, allowed Noi to get a bunch of interviews and ultimately an acceptance to medical school. So let's go ahead and say hello to Noi and learn about her journey and hopefully you'll learn, if you are an international student, you'll learn what it will take to get into a medical school here in the U.S. Noi, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> when did you first realize that you wanted to be a physician? Um, that, that was when I was 13. I would say almost I'm originally from Israel. And I'm from the north of Israel and we had, unfortunately, we experienced the second Lebanon war and I had 
to see really some of my friends' houses and hear also on the other side of the border of a lot of people who are losing their lives. And it really made me gain this perspective of valuing life and appreciating what it means to be a physician in a time of um, kind of turmoil and really difficult times. And I think that kind of started my motivation um, to wanting to become a physician because for me, being a physician and being in medicine was something that was um, kind of outside of politics. It was something that it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from or what side of the border um, you live in you know, you're, you're a person and they have to treat you regardless of what you did or, you know, what you've done. So I think that kind of, um, ignited my motivation to go into medicine and to appreciate it, um, on the bigger level. But then I would say in high school, uh, just taking a lot of science classes, I was very, very curious and, uh, always asking so many questions until today. I asked so many questions <laughs> about anything. <laughs> um, yeah, and I kind of gained so many experiences in, in research. And my dad is a dentist, so I would go to ah. his. Yeah, I would go to his dental clinic. However, I did not want to do dental school. Like I appreciate all dentists. Um, I don't know. I was just not connecting with it. Like I would see it all the time, and they would do procedures, and even seeing like dental surgeons. I was just like, it wasn't something that was of interest. Like it wasn't like medicine. Like I would go to the mm-hmm. hospital and I would be like, oh my God, I want to live here and I want to stay at the hospital all day, every day. Then I would go to like, you know, the dental clinic and I was like, no, it's okay. <laughs> Give me some of that laughing gas. This is boring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But I do want to say that the dental part I did not connect with, but the connection with people and seeing my dad caring for his patients and looking out for them and going to his clinic, you know, on Saturdays, which is usually we don't work in Israel or, you know, late at night or early in the morning, just Mm -hmm. to make sure they have their teeth ready for the holiday or, you know, uh, this commitment to just be there for his patients and the compassion really, I really, I was very inspired. So being from Israel and currently uh, an Israeli citizen and, and an international student here in the States, mm-hmm. what was your thought process behind kind of saying, I want to go to the U.S. to go to college and to go to medical school? Why not stay in Israel where just thinking about it and, and seeing some of the research and, and stuff like cannabis research is huge in mm-hmm. Israel. They have a very good medical system there. Why not stay there? It is. Israel is an incredible place. Um, It's very different, though. And I think that going to school in Israel, so I said before, it's it's a seven-year program. So so after you finish with high school or the army, you go straight to medical school. And it's a lot of places in Europe. Um, You go straight to med school for seven years. And in the United States, you have, obviously, to do your bachelor's and then to do medical school. And I think that first I wanted to have an impact internationally. And I knew that getting a degree here in the United States would open so many doors for me to work internationally uh, because I I am interested in doing Doctors Without Borders or just like having research that will, you know, just will be able to be implemented in so many other countries. And yes, there are Israeli companies who are doing that, but um, having the credentials from the United States is something that will open doors for me um, to work in so many other uh, countries. 
Uh, but also looking backwards on all my experiences, I think that all my undergraduate experiences and all the extracurriculars um, that I did during my undergraduate have shaped me so much. Um, and I'm still learning, you know, what physician, what type of physician I want to be, what type of researcher I want to be. And I wouldn't be able to realize all of these things if I didn't have all my volunteer experience and my research and my current gap year. Uh, and that's something that I wouldn't have had in Israel because I would just go straight to med school without needing to have volunteering and research and all of these other things. How did you know about coming to the U.S., right? There, there are lots of medical systems out in the world. Why, mm-hmm. why the U.S.? What did you know about coming to the U.S.? I just did my research, honestly. Um, there were a lot of Israeli sites websites on studying abroad and things like that. And I would sit and do research and look at all of the systems and all of the medical schools and what are the pros and cons. And as you mentioned, Israel is an incredible place to study medicine. Um, So I was, if I'm not going to Israel, I better go to somewhere, you know, that it's one step, you know, better than that. Uh, And I just based on all the research that I was doing, the U.S. was it for me. And I also really love the culture here, Mm. Um, just engaging with so many people. And I have friends from all over the world, and I think it's something that really shaped me as a person as well. I come from a very, very, very small town in Israel. Uh, We're like 60,000 people, and it's very homogenous, I want to say. And it's a very tight community, which I'm really appreciative of. But I always kind of created this need for me to go out of that, uh, of these boundaries and go out of my comfort zone and just put myself in a place without my family, without, you know, think without not a culture that I know, not a language that I'm like, you know, not my mother tongue. And yeah, I just wanted to put myself out of my comfort zone. Coming from a country that has a single payer system, has universal health care, Mm-hmm. What was that thought process like of saying, okay, I'm going to go to the U.S. and study medicine and I'm going to have to learn this whole different way right. of actually delivering care and paying for care? Right. Um, I think that I learned that as I moved, like once I moved here, uh, thinking about moving here, I don't think that was one of my um, factors. Like I didn't think about it when I planned to move here. Um but once I got here, it was so much. I learned, I was honestly a little bit shocked in the beginning. Uh, I like, I didn't understand. I was like, what do you mean? Like you have to pay for an ambulance, <laughs> like a thousand dollars. I remember my roommate, she was hurt on one of the nights. I can't remember what happened. And she literally had second thoughts. If she took, she, you know, she should take an ambulance or not. Or she call an Uber. And I was like, seriously, um, so yeah, that's something that I learned and it's something that is also very important because I was, now I am really open to different systems and I know so much more and I, there are obviously pros and cons to both of them. Um, but at least I know more and I've lived now in both. Um, yeah. I've experienced both. Yeah. When you were looking at colleges to come to as an international student, mm-hmm. what was the kind of decision algorithm for you to to pick where you wanted to go and how do you, how do you justify the the finances behind that? Because as an, an right. as an international student, you don't qualify for government loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do not uh, qualify for government loans. However, 
a lot of schools do have private loan um, programs as well as merit scholarships, which is something that I received during my undergraduate years. Uh, so it was a lot easier for my parents to pay. And I'm grateful beyond words. And I say thank you every day to my parents for allowing me to be here and, you know, to achieve my dreams the way that I want to. But it's it's very difficult. It's something that was definitely into consideration. And I did know that I wanted to come to the U.S. for a lot of time. It was since almost I graduated high school. Uh, so I let my parents know that this was the um, that was the plan. <laughs> Start saving mom and dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a lot. So you definitely, people definitely, if you're, if you're thinking about coming to United States as an international student to study medicine, first of all, I think, um, almost all of them and their requirements, all the med schools require you to have, um, U.S. bachelor's degree, or it's very preferable. They explicitly say, like, we will prefer people with a U.S. bachelor's degree. Yeah, either they, the language is a lot of times prefer the bachelor's degree, or if you have a bachelor's from international, it's it's still like they require 90 hours is a very common exactly. one, 90 hours of yeah. U.S. credits. Yeah, exactly. Which is basically almost a bachelor's degree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's just like... If you know, if you're, you're in high school now and you know you want to go to med school in the United States, it's something that you have to plan in advance. You cannot say one day, oh, I want to go to the, you know, study in the U.S. Uh, it's something that if you want to do, you have to think from high school and work, you know, very hard in high school where you're from mm -hmm. um, to get these, you know, grades and then get a scholarship and then being able to get here. And I, I, there are people who do that. It's not it's not something that is impossible. Yeah. Um, you just have to be very organized, very planned and very like know exactly what you want to do. As you were doing your research, did you look at the next step and say, OK, I'm going to be an international student applying to medical school. Mm -hmm. Let me see how easy that is. Or were mm -hmm. you just like, let me get to the U.S. and I'll figure it out when I get there? Oh, no, I research everything. <laughs> and I remember we have a pre-med advisor and she's lovely, Dr. Arneson. And she has workshops for, you know, pre-meds in our school, you know, about MCAT and things like that. And I was a freshman, literally just got to college, international student, and she had an MCAT workshop and I was there as a freshman. And she was like, no, I, you're a freshman. What are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. What, like, I, I need to know. I need to be prepared. <laughs> um, so definitely I did my research. And since day one, I knew exactly that. There's the MCAT and I have to do it and all of the requirements and all the things that I need to get done. And yes, the, I was lucky to have a pre-medical advisor and someone that um, guided us through this and had workshops and presentations. But I know a lot of my friends don't have that and they don't have someone to guide them through. So they really count on a lot of resources like your podcast and your blogs and everything that you do. Uh, which is very helpful. And even that I had the guidance, I still use all of these resources. Mm -hmm. um, knowing, so yeah, but definitely research. Knowing that you have to be a very, very competitive applicant as an international mm -hmm. student, especially you figured it out early on, I, I would mm -hmm. think that just that adds so much pressure to you as a pre-med student above and beyond the pressure that's already there. How did mm -hmm. you deal with that? It's first of all, it adds so much pressure um, and you don't realize how much until you like start doing the application process. And I was trying not to look at the stats, but like at some point I was just looking at like, you know, what percentage of 
you know, applicants who got this MCAT score and this GPA who are international that got in, it's like half percent or something like that. And I, I started like, honestly, having like, it's like a card, like ventilations. I was like, I don't know just what to do. Um, and it's very, very stressful, especially because you don't know what's next and you don't know, okay, so what am I going to do if I'm not going to get into med school? And I worked so hard throughout my whole undergraduate years for that. Um, and I think for me, it was first realizing that I knew what I did throughout my undergraduate and I knew that I did my, the best that I could. Um, and now it's really waiting for the result or like kind of you know, we, I worked on all of this and now it's like, okay, now it's the, the, what's happening with all of the work that was done. Um, and having a plan B, although I, I tell a lot of people don't have a plan B, like be confident. (laughs) Um, yeah, but also, you know, for the calm of mind, just like saying, okay, if this is not happening this year, so I'm going to do X, Y, Z and, you know, apply next year or meanwhile, do a research job or, you know, so I would say, yeah, definitely have a plan and not stress yourself too much and be positive. I think that's the number one thing as well. How much coming from Israel, how much was English and and learning English and becoming more fluent in English a, an obstacle for you? Mm -hmm. Um, I still learn new words every day, uh, which I love. But, um, we, I mean, in Israel, we start start like learning English from like fifth grade, I think. So I knew English and we have high school examinations and then we have math and chemistry. So we have English. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of my English and my accent, um, was from TV and movies. And I just <laughs> <laughs> really, everyone is asking me, they're like, no, I like, you don't really have an Israeli accent or an accent at all. I was like, yeah, it's mostly for movies and TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a challenge at the beginning. Uh, but you just, I, I don't, I didn't let it, you know, affect my studies as a challenge. It was like, okay, I didn't understand this war. So like I was, I, I think the number one thing for me was like, I was not afraid whatsoever to ask for help. Like I had an exam and I had one word, like, you know, a transition word or whatever that was that I didn't understand. I would go to professor. I was like, can you tell me what is this word? I don't know this word, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't ask, you just don't know. And yeah, so there were definitely times, but I, I didn't, I don't think it highly affected my, because I did take the, I, t- I took the SIT and we have to take a TOEFL exam, um, which are two exams. Like TOEFL is like an English uh, mm-hmm. test, which is reading, writing, hearing and stuff like that. Um, and then the SIT, like everyone takes. So obviously you have to have, a pretty significant level of English before you arrive. Yeah. yeah. Applying to the, uh, to, to American universities or literally like the American university, yeah, but exactly. <laughs> to, to us universities, um, yeah. as an international student, what sort of uh, obstacles were there and, and what should a student be prepared to do? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, the whole application process. So knowing to write personal statements and knowing what they want and all the extra. It's very different because in the United States, the whole all high school, they prepare them to go to college. Right. So they have advisors and they advise them what colleges to apply, what not exactly what they need to do. 
And for me, it was very different because I'm also like, I'm international, but I'm also kind of non-traditional because I served in the army. Mm-hmm. So it's just everything together um, was something that I had to work with. But I would say one of the challenges is making sure you do have everything that you need. Um, some schools don't require SIT. Some schools do. So making sure you have, you're taking the SIT that you need or some of them also require subject SAT and for all international students, all universities require the TOEFL exam that it's something uh, that must be taken. Um, and I think some school had even interviews. I remember I had interviews for undergrad um, in Israel. So it's with alumni and I had doing a couple of like three Ivy League schools that I had inter- interviews with, but I just didn't realize what it was. Yeah. Um, and, and I think preparing for the interviews is something that's so, it's like so key. And I tell these stories until today. I was like, yeah, I had an interview with like, you know, top five Ivy League school. And I was just very casual and I didn't know. I, I just had no idea what an interview was. Mm-hmm. Um, just really doing the research and like you would do for med school. Like it's yep. the exact same thing. Uh, you just have to be prepared for everything and edit the essays, and especially if you're an international student, like just making sure the grammar and everything is perfect. And if they're asking for one thing, then answer in. Uh, also for recommendation letters and contacts. These are all things that like, it's easy for high school colleges, high school students in the United States because they have the system. Like I had to go and reach out to my Israeli, you know, high school teachers two years after I graduated to ask them to write me a letter of rec in English and then go create this account online and then I'll email it to them and then they'll have to open the email, you know. So it's all these logistics that, um, yeah, you really have to go through. It's a lot. And yeah, I remember from one of my interviews, I was like, wow, this application process is just... It's a lot. <laughs> Did you ever second guess why you wanted to come to the States and do it? Because it was so hard. No, I did not. I was so motivated. I, I mean, I still am. Um, it was my goal. I set this goal and I was like, that's what I want to do. I, I, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to work as much as I need and do everything. And it's going to happen. Like for me, there was no, no, like I didn't see a plan B and I was just like, I'm going and that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I mean, even with the med school application process, it's, it's challenging. It's, I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's challenging, but these are things that just like, you learn so much about yourself and about other things. And it, you know, this is just the beginning. So just remembering that that's, this is just one application. Um, and there's going to be so much more. So even if I was kind of frustrated at times, I would, just try to remember why I'm doing this and my motivation behind it. And I think that kind of helped me Yeah, continue. <laughs> so once, once you're here, you're a pre-med student, you're kind of acclimating to a new culture mm-hmm. and to a new language full time and, and all this fun stuff. Were there any sort of obstacles, restrictions for you as a pre-med student needing to, get some clinical experience, shadowing, research if you wanted to look into it? What sort of barriers were in place because you were an international student? Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely. I think, first of all, you don't have the support system that everyone has, right? Because all my family was in Israel or still is in Israel. I can't, you know, just like call them in the middle of the night when I need them or 
um, go to holidays and things like that. And having them away and being here by myself, it's definitely outside my comfort zone uh, and allowed me to grow so much. So I learned to deal with things myself, Mm -hmm. Um, not having my family around. But I think that opportunity wise, definitely research. So all the employment, uh, obviously every school has international scholars and student services, and they guide a lot of the international students. Uh, But all of the summer programs, international students often are not eligible and there are very small and very small number of them that do accept international students. Um, So you do sometimes only have the opportunity. Like for me, I only had the opportunity to do research in my school, um, which is an incredible school, but it's not a big science department. And as I said, there are pros and cons for that. Um, But just making sure that when you're applying and knowing exactly uh, what type of school you want to be and what opportunities are going to be available for you, whether it's being able to receive a scholarship or a summer. I got a summer fellowship that I could receive, even though I was an international student that basically funded my research for the summer and pay me a stipend, which was incredible. Um, so I think the key, the key word or the key aspect of being an international student is really research every aspect before you come and not just apply everywhere and like go wherever you know you just get in because you go to a place and then your opportunities are very limited volunteering wise um i don't think it's a problem because um you can find volunteering anywhere at the hospitals uh if your school has a hospital affiliated with it um it's it's not really a problem i did i our school did not have a hospital i did all of my shadowing and volunteering at Georgetown, uh, which is another school in DC. Uh, and I really, volunteering, they have a pretty simple system and they accept international students almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say most of them is research opportunities, opportunities that are, you're going to get paid. Uh, usually you can only work at the university, which is limiting. Uh, however, I will say that um, Obviously, as I said before, researching and maximizing your opportunities. So I was in D.C. and I was next door to the NIH and my school was a small school and science department was small and I I wear glasses. So I don't I can't see really well from the board. So I always sit front row and people think I'm gunning, but I am not. I was like, I'm sorry, I just cannot see. Um, but all the professors would know me because I'm sitting front row and you cannot be distracted. Um, so kind of, it's a good strategy. And I remember my senior year, I had a lot of, I had some time off because I was almost done with my classes. And I just told my biochem professor, I was like, Oh, I have a lot of time off. He said, he mentioned, uh, he worked at the NIH. I was like, I have so much time off. I would love, you know, to intern or find an internship at the NIH or something. Um, and he said, you know what? I still have, you know, my contacts, my labs there. Um, let me ask them and send me your resume, send me a paragraph of, you know, what your intentions are and uh, we'll see how we can go from there. And I did that and I had a phone interview and I got an internship that I did part-time while taking full-time classes all my senior year. And I worked at the NIH um, under something that's called CPT that international students are allowed to do. Uh, so there are opportunities. You just have to research and to find um the way to do it because there is always a way if you want to. Yeah. Let's talk about 
the actual application to medical school, I get mm-hmm. a million and one questions from international students saying, how do I figure out which medical schools will accept me? Now, mm-hmm. if you look at the MSAR, the medical school admissions requirements that the AAMC puts out, a right. school may say that they accept international students. And when you actually look at the breakdown of who they're interviewing and accepting, mm-hmm. it usually doesn't say international students on that list. So how did you right. go about figuring out what schools are actually even going to take your application seriously? Right. So I did. Uh, so first of all, I got the MSAR and then they have another book uh, with all the programs. And I had a table with all the schools uh, all the names of the schools. And I, first of all, my first step was highlight all of the schools that even accept international students. So, so international students are eligible to apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would highlight all of them. Then after that, I would go each of these schools to MSAR and I'll go um, see interviewed. And on their interview, they have, they have international students as subcategory. And they said how many international students apply, how many um, interviewed, how many matriculated. Mm -hmm. But the one challenging thing with MSAR is that they consider um, DACA, that's how we call DACA applicants as international students as well, which is different. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like international students, they come from like F1 visa, like me. Uh, And I would just go each one and I would say, okay, if 400 international students apply, out of them, 10 or five interviewed and zero matriculated, I don't think I'm going to, you know, spend my time or money on, to apply to this school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really went to like that to each one of the schools. And even the MSR, some schools, uh, right, they accept international students, but it's case by case, yeah. it says. And it happened to me and I applied and they they send me the secondary invitation and I spent so much time editing the secondaries and spending the money sending it to the school. And then I get an email. We're sorry, but it's, you're not eligible because you're an international student. It's case by case. It's only if your country funds your studies and you have to go, you have to go back to your country after completing your yeah. studies here. Um, yeah, so, so there are just, some countries like that, just to, to interrupt real quick, there are some countries yeah. uh, like Saudi Arabia, I think, is a country that does that often where they'll fund mm-hmm. students to come here, study, but you have to go back to that country exactly. and go work. Exactly. You cannot stay here for residency mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I would just go through each school, go to the website, look on eligibility, see, look up international students, just start reading. And it's a lot of time and it's a lot of work. Um, but it's worth it rather than, you know, spending this extra hundred dollars per, for each school that you didn't research for secondaries because eventually application is a lot of money. Yeah. So how many schools did you end up applying to? I applied to 25 and then amongst them, some of them, even with all the research that I did, some of them were still, I couldn't send secondaries to, um, so I think total I had 22 schools that I that got my application my and secondaries as well. Okay. So a, a handful of schools. And yeah. what is the process like? Again, same thing with loans. As an international student, you don't qualify for federal loans. Right. You know, some schools will say, hey, you need to prove that you have a bank account with lots of money in it to, yeah. to cover your first year of classes. How does that work as an international student? Oh, it's, I'm actually just going through this process right now. 
Um, and again, it's something that I, I, I researched and I prepared my parents like freshman year of college. So I'm going to apply to med schools. They're going to request this. So just to let you know, um, but if you get a scholarship, it's something that you don't have to show uh, because, you know, your school provides all of the funding for you. And um, a lot of the schools, so it really depends. Again, it depends on the school. Some schools that I say, okay, international student, you have to show four years of um, tuition in an escrow account mm-hmm. that you have to deposit all of this money and i was like okay this is ridiculous it's, i know it's not feasible it's never going to happen i'm not even going to apply there because even if i get in like it's it, i cannot show that i have 250k in a, yeah. in a bank account um so these are also things that are to consider and does the school provide with um scholarships for international students or private loans that through the school that you can um get as an international student and a lot of a lot of schools do a lot of the private schools do mm-hmm. um as well as public schools ucla they have the De- david geffen scholarship that funds a hundred percent of your tuition gives you stipends and international students are completely eligible to receive that scholarship mm-hmm. um so and it's all merit-based it seems the like the how you're talking about each of these schools and doing the research it seems like a lot of schools make it sound like they're friendly to international students, but they've put so many obstacles in the way that they oh, yeah. hope that none apply and that they're just going to reject everyone else. Cause they're like, <laughs> it's just, they make it so hard for international students to go there. It is, it is, it's challenging. I don't know if they, um, like I cannot speak for the schools, obviously. Uh, but I think, Having international students in a class is something that's very beneficial, I want to say, because I had a lot of international students in my in my undergraduate, and I learned so much from each and one of them for different cultures. And I'm, now mm-hmm. I'm able to connect with so many people from so many different cultures just because I, ha- I have so many friends. Yeah. Uh, and I think especially for medical school, where you're going to treat patients from all walks of life and everywhere, because this is the United States, you need to know cultures and you need to know how to interact with people who are different than yourself. And I think it's so valuable to have international students in classes. And I think medical schools know that, but at the same time, I think the finances is one of the big obstacles because we are not eligible to receive federal loans, which is how most people um, fund their medical school education. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest challenge. I think, I think within themselves, med school want to have international students, but they realize how that is difficult financially, I guess, to attend yeah. for some people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what was the application process like for you getting, uh, getting interviews and getting acceptances? How did that whole thing shake out? Yeah, it's a long process. And I know everyone says that. Um, and I'm now I'm in my gap year, so I'm working. So I also, I did all the essays and everything while I was working. Well, let's, let's so talk about that real quick before we okay. get to the, the application or uh, yeah. going through the application. So as an international student, you have visa issues to contend with as well. So you're not a student. You're doing a gap year. What was that like to to either change your visa type or what was that process like? So for international students, once you do a degree in the United States, and again, I'm not an authority that people should like take advice from completely, but definitely check with all your offices. But there is something that's called that I'm on now. It's called optional practical training. And if you complete the degree in the United States, you have a year 
of optional practical training that's part of your visa um, that you're working on. So that's why I'm at now I'm an optional practical training and I have a year um, to do, to work in a job that's related to my studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did biochemistry. So now I'm working in a lab investigating biochemical mechanisms of heart failure. Um, and it has to hospital. be related to your major. Yes. You can't go work at Starbucks as a barista. No, uh-uh. no, oh. it's, it has, has to be related to your studies. Okay. And so that's what I'm on right now. And if you're a STEM major, you can have extension of, additional 24 months so you can be you can be on this authorization for i think a total of three years okay so that's so that yeah. helps if you don't get an acceptance right away exactly exactly okay. yes so that was kind of like i'm relaxed yeah. um and I, I was not planning on taking a gap year initially and i was very confident i was like i don't need a gap year like i know what i want to do like at least i thought i knew what i want to do um and then I had to take the MCAT my junior year and I scheduled it like the last week of finals and I did not have time to study and I took it and I didn't do as well, you know, as I wanted. And I really had to make a decision. I was like, either I'm applying with a score uh, that I got and taking my chances or not, or I'm taking a gap year. And for me, like taking a gap year was the worst, like nightmare i have no idea why um <laughs> but i thought oh my god i don't want to do that like, i kind of want to waste a year um but then i was like you know what i read i know that i can do so well and i know that if i have the time to sit and study i can just really you know do the best and i know that i'm not going to regret it uh so i just made a decision uh to take the mcat again after six months and i did it and I studied and I put all my efforts and so I cannot say I could have done better. And yeah, so I, I think taking this gap year was the best decision of my life. It, it has been the best year yeah. of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lots, lots of things to juggle there I know. Uh, with being an international student, needing really, really high MCAT scores, uh, needing to to worry about visa issues and mm-hmm. um, so you had lots of things to juggle, but it seemed to all work out. So let's look, get back to your application. So you you applied to twenty five schools. You said, did you apply to any DL schools or just to MD? No, I'm, we're actually international students are not eligible for DL schools. At least when I was applying, I remember we had. I was part of a, a medical professional medical fraternity called Phi Delta Epsilon. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had one of the DO, uh, administrators or admissions officers come to speak to us. And I remember asking her afterwards and she said that currently they're not accepting international students. Um, so I didn't even apply and that, yeah, that was, I think my junior or sophomore year. Um, okay. maybe it has changed. I've, I, I don't know. It's not um, that long ago. It's, it's different yeah. for Canadian students. I know Canada. Can, yes. Can yeah. Apply. It's different. Also. Yeah. It's important to know that. Can, Canadian international students is very different because a lot of yeah. the school would say only accept Canadian international students. Yeah. yeah. Our yeah. friends up north are very different. We treat them differently. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You're very special. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you, you applied to 25 MD schools. Yes. Did all your secondaries, worked really hard, still got some immediate rejection saying, sorry, no international students uh, allowed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How many interviews did you end up with? I ended up with five interviews that's amazing and why do you think you got so many interviews what do you think helps you stand out i think 
my, first of all, my army experience is something that's very unique. And, um, I think at least, and my motivation to go into medicine, where I come from and my story, Mm -hmm. my personal statement, I think was definitely a big part of it. Um, but also I did a lot of things that are unrelated to medical school. My fresh, all my college, I was, um, an international student leadership team. And then we started our own international student association because it was so important for us to really have this cultural awareness increase on campus and have students really express their culture. So we had like a cultural gala and we, you know, we had so many different performances, um, from different cultures and different foods or I'm Jewish. So I was really being, I was not religious at all when I was in Israel and I came here and I was so far away from my family and I was in a place where like, you know, no one is doing the things that are normal to do in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really made me kind of realize where I come from. So I was really involved in Jewish life on campus as well. I was president of Chabad, which is a Jewish organization on campuses. Um, and really being able to, in- and I try to integrate a lot of medicine with that as well, because the basic values that I would appreciate about being Jewish was also, you know, caring for others or, you know, helping the need and things like that. So we even did um, a CPR event with my pre-medical fraternity and the the organization that was uh, president of, because I was like, I really want to integrate these two. I'm a member here and I'm a president here. Why not combine the missions that are very parallel and create CPR training for students who want to help people. When um, you were doing all of these things, especially the the non-medical ones, like right. like starting a cultural program and um, doing uh, like the Chabad and, and all this other stuff, were, were you doing that? Because you're like, oh, this is going to help separate me on my medical school application. Or were you doing it because it's just something that you wanted to do? Yeah, I was about to say, these are all things, and that's, I tell this to all my pre-med friends and, you know, everyone, that these are things that I did because I loved. And this was like going to Chabad for Shabbat dinners, and people that know know Shabbat is like, it's the Jewish day of rest. And going there on Friday was the one day of the week that I told myself, no, you're putting aside your homework, you're putting aside everything else, and it's just time for you to like, to connect to who you are, to connect to your friends, to connect to your other community. And I really did it because I love it. And I just, I was looking forward to it every week uh, and being with my, all my international students, friends, as well as I said, we're just like doing so many things on campus. There are things that were important to me and I was intrinsically, is this what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> intrinsically. Intrinsically, exactly. <laughs> uh, motivated to do these things because the things that I cared about, like I didn't think, oh, it's going to look good on medical uh, application because I was like, honestly, I don't even know. I, I was even hesitant. I was like, should I put my Jewish stuff on application? Like, it's just going to look bad. Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? It's something that I love. It's something that shaped me to be who I am today. And I learned so much about myself and others and communities and collaborations and everything just through these leadership experiences that it's something that I, I could talk about in yeah. interviews. I could, I did think, it come you know, up? Yeah, a lot of the times. And oftentimes people would just ask me about all of these things. And I was like, just talking about it so passionately because I just, these are things that I love. And it was, it was kind of my outlet from, you know, being in the library all day. Like they would make fun of me, no, your your chemistry books are going to get jealous. You're spending Friday nights at Chabad and Shabbat dinner. (laughs) 100%. So important. And it's, it's the biggest thing I wish students would understand is that you really, really have to do these things because you want to do them. And not that you're just checking off boxes for the application. Yes. 
no, absolutely. And, and you know, admissions officers, they, they know, you know, they, they read tons of applications. And I know that if you put like 12 hours of volunteering, it's, you didn't do it because you loved it. Um, and really do things that you're passionate about and you care about. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be related to medicine. It's just, nope. you know. Yeah, 100%. Things That's that awesome. make you a person because they don't, they want to have a medical class that is so diverse and each person is contributing something else to the class that others can learn from. Um, and I think, I can't remember who said that. Um, I think that, you know, Harvard Med School said, like, you cannot build an orchestra with all like cello players like you have to have different um instruments yeah. and that's really how it is because eventually you just learn from other people and you grow by having different experiences yeah have you looked forward to what post graduate training is going to look like after medical school uh the next visa challenge and applying to residencies and all of that have you started to research what that's going to look like and what you need to start doing for that yeah. So for residency, again, it's obviously more challenging for international students, but I, I don't like saying challenging because I feel like it's kind of creating these limiting beliefs in my brain. And I guess I got so far because I was so confident that it's something that can happen. Uh, I think there are definitely different obstacles, but it's something that if you're really well thought out and you do well in medical school and, you know, you get you just do things because you love them and you want to go into a residency program um, that is that fits you, I think that there is always a way to do it. And it's not, you know, I'm not the first one. I'm not going to be the last one. There are so many international students that did before me. Um, but it's just, it's a different process. And yeah. I know there is, they sponsor visas because you're working now. So it's yeah. a different type of visa. I can't remember. Maybe it's a J1 or H1B um, that they sponsor. Um, and you can even be on OPT or, uh, uh, intern year and then figure that out. Um, yeah. If there is a will, there is a way. If there's a will, there is a way. So exactly. Noe, as we wrap up here, what words of advice or motivation, encouragement would you have for a student sitting in Israel right now or sitting in Kenya, sitting somewhere in an international place outside of the U.S. who wants to come to the U.S. to go to school, to go to medical school, and to, to realize their dream of being a physician? Absolutely. I would say that, it's, first of all, it's possible. Don't limit yourself with anything. You're capable of doing whatever you set out to. And it's just you need to be very organized. You need to be really to think everything through and really to look at the pros and cons. And if you're able to do it financially, and don't stress out if things don't work out the first way because things always happen for the best. And um, yeah, if it doesn't work the first time, it will work the second time. And there's always something to learn from the process. I always say there is no wrong decision. Even if you make a decision that doesn't seem to work out, it's something that you learned from and you can move forward and grow from. So um, yeah. I have a mug in my office and I work at the hospital. So all the physicians always come in and look at all my inspirational quotes. And I have a mug that says, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, I love that and, quote. Yeah, Is that a Henry sort of, Ford quote? Actually, I'm not sure. It's just in my mug that I got from TJ Maxx, but I picked it up and I was <laughs> like, I want this in front of my face all the time. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a Henry Ford quote. But yes. That's a really good one. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's my, 
my inspirational quote, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Awesome. Noi, where are you, <laughs> where are you going and what, what's in the future for you? Uh, so I'm going to David Geffen School of Medicine. I'm so grateful. Uh, it was the best day of my life. I cried. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully cardiac surgery, residency. As of now, I'm going with an open mind. Uh, but I definitely want to be a physician, scientist, go to academic medicine. Um, I love teaching. I taught organic chemistry. So it's something that I love doing. So really combining research and academic medicine and being a physician and treating patients. All right. There you have it. Congratulations, Noi, on your success and your future journey at David Geffen. I wish you all the best. If you are an international student or potentially a future international student looking to come to the U.S., hopefully Noi's journey will give you some encouragement, some motivation that you can do it. It does, as it did for Noi, take a lot of planning, a lot of research, and a lot of understanding what it's going to take. And then obviously, as a student, once you are a student here in the U.S., really, really focusing and doing well enough to open those doors for you to get in to medical school. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. 